And as it is the month of May, the month of Mary, we said this morning that we'd have a little look at what is devotion to Mary, who was Our Lady, and where do our Marian doctrines come from? So I suppose to look first at what is devotion to Mary. Like some people think that Catholics especially Mm -hmm. worship Mary, and maybe even Irish Catholics worship Mary, but we don't. The only people that we actually adore, the actual, or the only person that we actually adore, yeah. is God. Is God, yeah. Is God, and there's actually even a special Latin name for it, mm-hmm. latria. That's the the adoration and the worship given to God. Now, of course, we also venerate certain people, and that veneration is a kind of an honor due to the excellence of a person, how mm. faithful a person has been to Christ. Mm. And these are our saints. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like there are role models in the faith. They've, they've walked the walk. They've talked the talk. Yes. They've done the journey before us. So very recently we had the canonization of Pope John Paul II. That's right, yeah. And mm. Pope John the Twenty Third, And it was recently announced as well that Blessed Paul the Sixth mm. will be canonized. And we might think, oh gosh, canonization is only about popes. Mm. It isn't, though. There's actually quite a few other um, lay people and religious people and priests that are canonized over the centuries. In fact, I, I, I just heard somewhere there recently, um, Pope Francis, in his short time in his pontificate, I think he's nearly canonized more saints than I, a lot of other uh, I think the, early on this year, he canonized 860 uh, lay people from some part of the world. Isn't that incredible? So do you know, it's not just popes, as you say. Absolutely. Mm. So we venerate the saints because by the way that they have lived, they have imitated Christ. They have shown Christ to Mm. us. They have Mm. displayed his qualities. And so Our Lady then has a very special place among the saints. And it's like when we're honouring Our Lady, we're pleasing God, we're pleasing Jesus, because mm. we're honouring his mother. Yes. Now we're going to come back to that yeah, in, we'll in a little while. Yeah. But mm. it's just a, a very special place. And again, we venerate her because of all that she did um, for God. Mm. And But all that she did for God was only possible because all God did for her. All the grace God gave it, yeah. So mm. when we venerate Our Lady, we're saying, thank you, Lord. We're praising God mm. for the wonderful gift of Our Lady. Yes which is lovely. Mm, Yes. Okay, so it's different to adoration and that's important to know. So first to look at Mary in Scripture and it's funny, John, because when you look at Mary in Scripture, you don't start with the New Testament. You can actually go right back to the start of Scripture, right back to the Old Testament. The role of Mary, like other Catholic truths was foreshadowed in the Old Testament. Now, of course, I have to say at the very start of this, this is not my own thinking. This is from mm. a lovely book by Mark Merivale. Mm. It's called Introduction to Mary, the Heart of Marian Doctrine and Devotion. Okay. And it's looking at that book. So just in case anybody wants to read up more on it. So the role of Mary is foreshadowed in the Old Testament right back in Genesis, John. Do you remember in Genesis we hear the creation account God created, Adam and Eve yeah. and all creation, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it was good. Yeah. God saw that all he had made and it was good mm-hmm. and then unfortunately we sinned mm-hmm. we fell away from God mm-hmm. but as soon as we did God put in his plan of salvation mm-hmm. and we read it in Genesis 3.15 it's called the first gospel the first gospel is actually there in the book of Genesis 
And it's God speaking, and he says, The woman and the serpent are put in enmity. I will put enmity between you, the serpent, and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. He, the serpent, shall bruise your head. Sorry, he shall bruise your head is Jesus, and you shall bruise his heel. So what he's saying is, he's foreshadowing, God is telling us already that he has a wonderful plan of salvation in place. So you have Eve in the Old Testament being told that I will put enmity between you and between Satan. Um, he will snap at your heel. You know, yeah. he'll, he'll mm. try to make you fall away from mm. me. Mm. But your seed, your son, will crush him. Will okay. absolutely crush him. So that's what the seed, you know, that's when the seed comes in. Absolutely, mm. absolutely. Mm. So in Eve, even though Eve, Eve fell into sin like mm-hmm. most of us, mm-hmm. we have a kind of a foreshadowing of Our Lady's role. Okay. Okay. Again, we can jump to the prophet Isaiah, which comes up a lot in our readings coming up to Christmas. Mm. And it's a prophecy about the Virgin Mother of Emmanuel. And Isaiah says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son. And yeah. his name will be called Emmanuel. I like that now. Now that uh, that I can I can get between my my two ears <laughs> there, you know. Okay, okay, I like that one. Lovely. And then another prophet, a prophet called Micah in chapter five, he foretells the birth of his saviour as well. And he's talking about a woman from Bethlehem. But you, O Bethlehem, are a little one among the thousands of Judah. From you shall come forth for me one who is to be the ruler of Israel, and his going forth is from the beginning, from the days of eternity. Therefore he shall give them up until the time when she who is in travail shall bring forth. Now she who is in travail is she who is in childbirth shall bring forth. So again, it's talking about Our Lady's role in bringing forth Jesus. Isn't it gorgeous that you have all these little... It is. And I certainly wouldn't have thought that there was any reference at all Mm. in the Old Testament. They're like little signposts. They're pointing us forward, pointing us forward all the time. Didn't didn't cap onto that. Yeah, it's absolutely gorgeous. And then just other kind of images that aren't necessarily as obvious, like Jacob's ladder in um, in Genesis again, Mm. where Jacob saw the angels ascending and descending from heaven. That's kind of like a type of Mary showing kind of like the future intercession that Our Lady would have. Okay, between... No, again, okay, okay. you're kind of... You're using your imagination yes, a little yes, bit more yes, for these yeah, ones, okay. but that's okay too. Uh-uh, okay. The burning bush of Moses mm-hmm. is kind of like pointing us to Mary as well because the bush held the presence of God, but if you remember, John, mm-hmm. the bush wasn't being burnt. That's right, that's right. And Our Lady held within herself the Son of God. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Isn't that gorgeous? Okay, no, 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 it's it. Yes. Beautiful, 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 absolutely beautiful. And again, the Ark of the Covenant is a similar kind of idea because the Ark of the Covenant was that special place that held the presence of God. And Our Lady was that special person that held the Son of God in her womb for nine beautiful, months. Beautiful, beautiful, yeah. Absolutely gorgeous. Now, Our Lady as well is, she's a symbol or kind of um, a personification of the faithful people in the Old Testament. Okay. They were called the Anuim, the, the Lord's faithful 
that never lost trust in God. They mm. were poor people. They, were, you know, they worked hard and yeah. they utterly believed that what God promised them would come true. They had that gift of faith. They had the gift of faith. And Our Lady is a model of that. You'll see that when we come to the Annunciation then. She believed what God had told her through the angel Gabriel. So you now walk in our mouths now. A little bit now before (laughs) we we move away from... Okay. So we come to the New Testament. And... The New Testament, we're going to look first at Luke's Gospel because Luke is often, Luke's Gospel is often referred to as Our Lady's Gospel. Hmm. And we think Luke must have had chats with, with Mary at some point because he has a lot of material in the Gospel that he couldn't have known unless he got it from Mary herself yes, yeah, or, yeah. or somebody very close to Mary. Hmm. So we start off with the Annunciation, where the words of the angel Gabriel are hail Mary, or hail full of grace, the Lord is with you, which is the first line of our hail Mary. Mm. And he greets Mary and he goes on to announce that Mary will be the chosen mother of the Saviour. And then in Luke's Gospel again, we see the visitation of Mary to Elizabeth when Mary had heard this Mm. wonderful news from the angel Gabriel and had consented and had said yes behold the handmaid of the Lord I will do what you ask of me she left to go to her elderly cousin Elizabeth whom Gabriel told her was also pregnant Mm -hmm. through Mm -hmm. a miracle of God Mm -hmm. and when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary the babe in her womb John the Baptist leapt and she was filled with the Holy Spirit Mm -hmm. and then Mary proclaims her magnificent And in that beautiful hymn of praise to God, she says, all generations will call me blessed. And she was saying that out of prayer and praise rather than boasting. Absolutely. Pure humility. Pure humility. Mm. Everything Mm. comes down to the Mm. grace of God. Mm. And then in Luke again, in chapter two, we come to the nativity of Jesus, the birth of Jesus, where Mary brought forth her son and wrapped him in swaddling Mm. clothes. And then in Luke's gospel, we have the presentation where the infant Jesus was presented in the temple by Mary and Joseph and they had to give the offering for the poor because they were really poor and they heard the prophetic words of Simeon who told Mary that a sword will pierce your own heart too and of course when we think about Mm -hmm. the end of Jesus' life when we think about Calvary and Mm -hmm. the utter pain that he went through and we think of how she walked that journey with him her only son And of course, a a sword of sorrow must have pierced her heart as well. Uh, And I mean, she she could only have done that if she had the grace of God. Exactly, exactly. It wasn't because she was this superhuman person. She was a mother of God. Exactly. And we're going to come back to that again in Mm. a little while. Mm. And of course, throughout the finding of the child Jesus in the temple and after three days... Mary and Joseph find Jesus and they say, well, why, why have you done this to us? You, mm. you disappeared on us, you little scamp kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. he said, I must be about my father's business. And we're told that Mary kept all these things, pondering them in her heart. Now, Matthew gives us several other kind of Marian scriptural references. Mm. We hear about the betrothal of Mary to Joseph and Matthew. We also hear that when Joseph was told that Mary was to conceive a son through the power of the Holy Spirit, 
Joseph was going to set her aside. He was mm. going to break off the proposal. The first part of the betrothal had only taken place. And the angel appears to Joseph in a dream and says, Do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived of her is of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And then you have the the arrival of the, the Magi, the three wise men, and they worshipped Jesus and they fell down. And again, we're told that, you know, Mary's watching on on all these mm-hmm. significant events in mm-hmm. her life and in the life of her child, Jesus. And she's pondering everything in her heart as we hear from Luke's gospel. So, of course, it, Matthew tells us about the flight of the Holy Family into Egypt and their return again back into um, into Israel when it was safe enough for them to come back. And again, there are other kind of ones we read in Luke's gospel about Mary's intercession at the wedding feast of Cana, where mm-hmm. it's Mary who spots that they've run out of wine mm-hmm. and she brings it to Jesus' attention and Jesus is seemingly quite sharp to her and says, my hour has not yep. yet come. Mm-hmm. Like, what do you want me to do for them? Mm-hmm. And she kind of ignores that little remark yeah. and she tells the servants, yeah. do whatever he tells you. First way, in fact, it's not the only word she ever mentioned in Scripture apart from denunciation, is that it? I think so, actually. Yeah, so. yeah, it's mm-hmm. incredible. Mm-hmm. And it's a pure Mammy thing to do. Yeah. Like, yeah. Mammy asks, asks the son mm-hmm. to do something mm-hmm. and he kind of retorts mm-hmm. uh, but doesn't agree to do it and she kind of side skirts him a bit and goes, yeah. go on, do whatever he tells you and that'll be grand. Yeah. And then, of course, we have that beautiful image of Mary at the foot of the cross. Her heart mm. is breaking. Her son is being crucified, treated as a common criminal. And here we learn about Mary's spiritual motherhood. Mm. Jesus, dying on the cross, says to Mary, woman, behold your son. And he's, he's saying that of John the Apostle. Mm. And then he turns to John, the Apostle, the Evangelist, and he says, Son, behold your mother. So in that moment, he's giving Mary to all of us. Yeah, yeah. Because mm. in that moment, John represents every baptized person in the world. There's a lovely um, kind of Catholic meme they're called it's a a little kind of mock-up photo at the moment going around on Facebook and it shows Pope Francis Pope uh, Benedict and Pope John Paul Mm -hmm. and they're each of one of them is praying and they're praying the rosary with the rosary in their hand and the little caption underneath is these three are Mammy's boys are you and it's lovely it's that idea that yes Our Lady is truly our mother and that we can come to her with with any of our needs Of course, Mary was present in the upper room at Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came down upon the the apostles. Mm -hmm. We know that Mary, the mother of Jesus, was there. Um, St. Paul refers to her in a couple of occasions. In in, um, Galatians, he refers to the Savior that was born of a woman, which is Our Lady. Um, of course, in Revelations as well, we hear of the woman clothed in the sun, which again is Our Lady. So not to spend too much time on it, there's loads and loads in this book. But, but the important thing is there, like, you know, that there's lots of references to Our Lady Absolutely. In now, we're not going to go through everything because no. we just don't have time. No, no. But we'll pick out a couple of ones. Let's look at Mary's Mother of God. At the Annunciation, the angel Gabriel declared to Mary, Behold, you shall conceive in your womb, and you shall bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Therefore, the Holy One who shall be born of you shall be called the Son of God. Now, 
guy called Nestorius in the 400s was kind of disputing it a little bit, not from the point of view that he was kind of arguing that Our Lady was the mother of Jesus. He, he totally got that Mary was the, the mother of Jesus, but he said he couldn't work out how Mary was the son of God, God's mm. eternal. How, mm. how can God mm. be born? Mm. And he was saying, okay, I can accept that Mary's the mother of Jesus, but I cannot accept that Mary's the mother of God. But the point is you can't split Jesus into different persons. No. Jesus is one person mm. and he has a human nature and he has a divine nature and they are both, they are inseparably united in mm. the one mm. divine person of Jesus. So again, if Jesus Christ is born of Mary and since Jesus is truly the son of God mm. and Mary as we know, is referred in Scripture as the mother of Jesus, then Mary must be the true mother of God made man. Mm-hmm. And they announce this, or they clarify this, at a council called the Council of Ephesus in 431 AD. And there was such rejoicing that Mary was defended in her title as mother of God, that they held a procession, a joyful procession through the streets of Ephesus. And that wasn't coming from the bishops, that was coming from the ordinary ordinary people, Uh, the people in the pews, you might say. They held this huge party because they they Mm, knew Mary was the mother of God. They knew Nestorius wasn't quite right in what he was saying. So Mary is the mother of God. I think we have to hear that again, you know, I think we, we really have to hear that the angel Gabriel came from God Mm -hmm. and he said to Mary that the one that shall be born of you shall be called the son of God so Mm -hmm. we need to hear that again and so Mary was uh, Mary was truly the mother mother of of God And that's what Ephesus was all about. Absolutely. In the sense that it was of her nature that he was born. Yes, yes. You know, obviously, eternally, he was eternally the son of God. The son of God, yeah, yeah, But Mary's the mother of God because you cannot split the person of Jesus. That's right, that's right. Now, unfortunately, we're running out of time as usual, John. But we'll we'll just skip forward to Mm -hmm. another of the doctrines. And this is the doctrine of the Immaculate Conception. Now, this was defined by Pope Pius IX in 1854. And you might think, gosh, if this only arrived in 1854, that's quite a long time. 1800 years. 1800 Mm -hmm. years afterwards. And you might think that, okay, this is one of the things that the church kind of made up on. Mm -hmm. You know, they were having a slow day. They decided they'd have a look at Mary and decided. But it's it's the culmination of Mm -hmm. a lot of theology um, around Our Lady and around Christ because Christ and Our Lady are inseparably linked. Mm -hmm. The reason Mary has such a privileged place in Catholic theology is not because what she necessarily did herself but what Christ did for her. And again, we're looking at that here. The doctrine of the Immaculate Conception states that Mary was conceived without any stain of original sin. And again, it wasn't because Mary was a superhuman person. It was because of, they call it a singular grace, that before she was even conceived, Jesus had saved her. Mm, mm, mm. And that's like, that's the wonderful gift that we get in our, um, in baptism, that we are we are washed clean of original sin. Yeah, yeah. And because Our Lady was going to hold the Son of God in her womb, mm. and God and sin are complete opposites. 
There's no Absolute way that she opposite. could have had any trace of sin. She couldn't have had any trace mm-hmm. of sin. Mm-hmm. So God chose to save Our Lady even before Jesus was born mm-hmm. to her. Mm-hmm. It's kind of, it, it takes a little bit of working out in our minds sometimes mm-hmm. because we tend to think of things linearly, like yes, in a yeah, line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's beautiful that mm-hmm. even Our Lady had to be saved by her son. That's right. And it's gorgeous. It's absolutely beautiful. Mm-hmm. And again, we can pick out a few points in um, in Scripture to kind of the back that up. Like, again, the angel Gabriel at the Annunciation said, Hail, full of grace. Mm-hmm. Now, he couldn't have used the term full of grace if Our Lady hadn't been That's conceived right. without mm-hmm. original mm-hmm. sin. Mm-hmm. So it's a kind of a fullness of grace, of an over flowing of grace, plenitude of grace. Mm-hmm. And it's only because she was going to become the mother of the Son of God that she was saved mm-hmm. from the moment of her conception. If you just think about the wonder of all of that, that she's going to become the mother of the Son of God. Mm-hmm. It is absolutely, absolutely gorgeous. And again, it comes down to the primacy of grace. It's what God does for us. Mm-hmm. And again, we can look at our own baptisms and look at what God does for us in mm-hmm. baptism. Mm-hmm. He frees us from original sin. He washes all our sins clean. So what are you, obviously as a baby, you've committed no personal mm-hmm. sin. You have to be of the age of reason mm-hmm. to commit sin. But you think of the adults that were baptized a few weeks ago at the mm-hmm. Easter Vigil. Mm-hmm. And every single sin of their entire life gone just like that and that's what God has done for us as well and of course that's what God does for us in the beautiful sacrament of reconciliation Mm -hmm. we think that God is there with a little tick box going no you did this again Mm -hmm. but really God is saying come back to me I will wash you clean of sin again so that's what the immaculate conception is all about really so it was in a a papal document in 1854 Pope Pius IX said we declare pronounce and define so he's making it really clear that the doctrine which holds that the most blessed virgin mary at the first instant of her conception was a prayer was preserved immune from all stain of sin by a singular grace and privilege of the omnipotent god the almighty god in view of the merits of jesus christ the savior of the human race isn't that beautiful mm-hmm. like that and again i'm going to say it again Jesus saved Our Lady. Yeah. Isn't it just mm-hmm. absolutely gorgeous? How are we doing for time, John? Are we, we running out? We're doing okay. <laughs> we're doing very close. Um, what we might just do is just bring it back again to the idea of we only adore God. Absolutely. And we venerate Our Lady. And we venerate Our Lady. What we might do at mm. another stage, John, mm-hmm. is, is look at the other doctrines. Yeah. I think we'll leave it there now because otherwise it's too much information at one time. So Mary was truly the mother of God. Mm-hmm. And Mary was preserved from original sin. In fact, from all stain of sin because of what Jesus would do for all mankind. And the two are interconnected. Now, because... We are in the month of May. We said we'd have a quick look Mm. at the rosary. And it's literally going to be a whistle-stop tour of the rosary from... It's it's a document by Pope John Paul, which was written in 2002 for the year of the rosary. Mm -hmm. And it's called Rosarium Virginis Maria, the rosary of the Virgin Mary. Mm -hmm. And just to pick one or two points out, just to kind of talk about what we were looking at. Mm -hmm. Mary lived with her eyes fixed on Christ, treasuring his every word. 
In Luke, in two different parts, we're told she kept all these things, pondering Mm. them in her heart. And one way that we can ponder these things in our heart is through the rosary. Because the decades of the rosary, the different decades, they're not about Our Lady, really. Mm -hmm. They're about Christ. Yes. And they go through his entire life. Mm -hmm. And even when Pope John Paul brought in the... um, the mysteries of light mm. again they're they're speaking of events in Christ's life mm. they're given to us so that we can look at what Christ has done for us mm. and go okay Lord here I am yeah. you know pondering these things in our heart and we learn from Mary the rosary is always is all about remembering and being kind of being caught up in the meditation. It's not about getting through the decade as quickly as humanly possible mm-hmm. and then our prayer is done. No. Because if we mm-hmm. race through the rosary, and you know we're all guilty of it at times, mm-hmm. we're not praying the rosary. So if we take our time, even, and I could be maybe um, slightly killed for saying this, mm-hmm. but... You know, if you pray one decade of the rosary well, yes. it's better than praying mm. the entire mm. rosary poorly. Mm. Like if you can make one decade your prayer mm. and you think about what Christ mm. has done for you mm. in that little scene in that decade, mm. Mm. then how much more will it affect your life? Exactly. So we're in the school of Mary and she's going to teach us about her son and Anne has picked a particular decade for us this morning. Anne, which decade are we going to pray? The Annunciation. We are going to pray the Annunciation. And again, just to remind ourselves about the Annunciation, the angel Gabriel appeared to Mary and said, You're going, God has this very beautiful job for you. He's going to invite you to become the mother of God. And this morning... We may not have an angel like Gabriel coming to us, but God is still saying to each and every one of us, Anne or Lorraine or John, Mm. whatever your name might be, God has a very special role for you, very special role. And how are you going to respond to that role? Mm. Are you going to look at Our Lady and go, Behold, I am your servant. I am the handmaid of the Lord. Let what you have said be done unto me. So we invite you to make your prayer our prayer this morning or our prayer your prayer this morning and we're actually going to pray the decade of the rosary Anne. so you might lead off for us Anne, and we'll join in okay our father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. 
Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us. Now it's time for a piece of music, and the piece we've chosen is one that John chose for us this morning. It's from Faith of Our Fathers, and it's called I'll Sing a Hymn to Mary, and it's sung by Rosny Duvon, and it's accompanied by the Irish Philharmonic Orchestra. So let's have a listen to this. <laughs> 